We're turning together to Luke chapter 4. Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Taking a little break from the Decalogue. Our next commandment that we will consider will be the sixth commandment, which is, Thou shalt not kill or murder premeditated killing. Luke chapter 4, commencing with verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. This morning, our thoughts are on resisting temptation, in particular following Jesus to face temptation. This reveals that Christ was uh, driven into the wilderness in the will of God by the Spirit, for the very purpose that he might be tempted of the devil. Now, God does not tempt us to do evil, but he does um, ordain that we are tempted by the devil or by evil people to do evil. Obviously, the, the, the word tempt, we think, is a negative sense, but um, temptation is actually a, a neutral word. Um, a synonym would be a test. A test can be negative or positive. Someone might test someone in order for them to fall. And then there are others that would test someone in order to strengthen them and to give them more knowledge. So it depends on the source, does it not? 
This is a furious beginning to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Forty days he was tempted of the devil. And what we're given in Luke and also in the parallel account in Matthew is the culmination of the 40 days. We're not given the content of the previous uh, temptations. But if anything like we read in this chapter, in the, in the three culminating temptations, it was very intense. Very intense. A few things to note that this is the beginning of the ministry of Christ and it's a parallel, we believe, to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Christ here succeeds where Adam failed. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden in perfect circumstances and they failed. And we're, we're, it seems to indicate that very early on in their life they fell into sin. We're not given an impression that it was more than perhaps months. Perhaps at, 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 at maximum a year, but perhaps sooner than that. But here the Lord is in the wilderness. And the point being made by the fact that he was in the wilderness, and in Mark tells us he was with the wild beasts, is that he was far from the help of man. I mean, Adam had Eve, and Eve had Adam. They had each other, and they had the Lord to help them, certainly. But in a perfect environment, while they were perfect, they had not sinned, they fell. Where the Lord Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He's driven into the wilderness by the Spirit, far away from the help of man. And in very dire circumstances, and and perhaps the the mention of the wild beasts is indicative that there there was kind of an intimidation there. You know, it's, it's one thing to be out in the wilderness with wild beasts and a weapon in your hand. Uh... It's another thing to be out in the wilderness with wild beasts, uh, empty-handed. And so the Lord, in other words, had no help from man and had to trust in the help of God in his temptation. And it wasn't one that caused him to... He didn't fall, but he had, he had we would assume, at least uh, 40 different incidences of temptation, if not several per day. Just multiply what he must have experienced in 40 days. And the fact tells us that when, when the days were ended, he had been fasting, that he was hungry. And, and add to the, the challenge, it's one thing to be tempted by the devil when you, when you have strength, when you have a full stomach, when you have, have been able to sleep. I don't know, it doesn't mention what what occurred as far as whether he was able to rest, uh, but he was hungry. And, and you and I know that when someone is hungry or ill, or, or, or vulner, they're vul- more vulnerable than at other times. But here our Savior shows us that at the outset of his ministry, he was uh, superb. He, had, he was above Adam. And we're told that Jesus was the second man from above. Where Adam failed and the whole human race plummeted into sin, this begins to show us that Jesus will succeed 
and all who are in Christ will be raised um, into the condition of righteousness and the hope of eternal life. Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit to be tested, is the idea here, uh, from God's viewpoint, tempted from the devil's viewpoint. But again, great severity. Now this word that's translated tempted in verse 2 is also used in the New Testament in a context of, of testing from God's viewpoint. John 6.6, 6, for instance, says when Jesus asked uh, if we, how, many, how many loaves and how many fish and so on, um, he said this to prove um, his disciples. The word prove is the same word for tempt here in verse 2. In Acts, Paul and his crew assayed to go into Bithynia to see if that was where the Lord wanted them to minister. And it's the same word. Assayed is the same word for tempt or test. In other words, Paul was, whatever test he was using, um, how are the roads? Uh, um, he was praying he would, God would lead him. He was testing the water, so to speak, if he should go in that direction. And the Lord led him differently. Second Corinthians, the Bible commands us to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. The same word, examine, test yourselves. And then one more text, Hebrews 11. Um, it says, when Abraham was tried, uh, he offered up Isaac. So God tried Abraham, where actually in the authorized version it says God tempted Abraham, but the better word there in Genesis 22 would have been God tested or tried Abraham. Tempt has the idea of uh, seeking to cause someone to fall. And that's what the devil was trying to do here. He was pursuing Jesus to cause him to fall as he had caused Adam to fall. To think that there is a being a very powerful being in the world today that wants you and me to fall into sin, to sin against God. You think of the hatred of such a personage. And he has a third of the angels with him, however many that is. Perhaps that's a million. Perhaps it's more than that. Where you have a million invisible beings that are going around the world seeking to cause people to sin against God and to commit heinous acts. And people ask, how do you explain massacres and assassinations that we have seen lately and, and uh, horrible, atrocious acts? Well, we, we need to factor in that there are tempters out there that are invisible as well as visible tempters. And Jesus uses this word to speak of the visible tempters when he said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, Why tempt you me, you hypocrites? And in uh, Hebrews it says, Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So a temptation is a snare to hurt us, if the, if it's coming from the source of a wicked person, can, but it can be used as a stepping stone to help us 
as we seek the Lord's strength and wisdom and grace. But they can be very dangerous if we're unprepared and we're culpably vulnerable. We have a responsibility to prepare ourselves for temptation every single day. Jesus said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. In other words, what he's saying is, watch and pray, lest you leave yourself vulnerable to temptation. That's the idea, enter, lest you enter into temptation. If we, if we uh, saunter into a, 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 a test or a, a temptation and we're not ready for it, like David when he was idle. David should have been, it says, when kings went forth to war. I think there's an indication by the author there, Moses, but um, that David should not have been on top of the, or, or David should not have been idle in the city. And that's when he went out and saw a woman bathing on a housetop. Now, of course, even though he had been idle, he should have resisted that temptation that was brought to him. Peter's pride when he, he wouldn't take Jesus' word seriously. Peter, you're going to all deny me. Peter should have said, help, Lord. I, I, I don't want to deny you. Please help me not to deny. Oh, no. He corrected the Lord. And, and our pride will lead us into temptation. And the other, a third is Adam. What, what about Adam? Why did Adam fall? Because the Bible says, actually, that Adam was not ignorant. Eve was taken unawares. She didn't recognize the serpent as being used of the devil, and she just was bamboozled, might be the way. Not that she was guiltless, but she wasn't our representative. We didn't fall when Eve fell. We didn't fall when Eve, at Eve's first transgression. Adam knew exactly what, we were doing, what he was doing. He knew that the devil was using, had used the, the serpent to cause Eve to fall. He knew that what he was doing was wrong. So what was Adam's snare, his idolatry? How else can you explain? You can certainly probe it a little bit more. But he knew if he resisted to eat the, 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 the uh, fruit, God would condemn his wife, but he would be innocent. So he chose Eve over God. At the end of the day, he chose to follow his wife. But there are other explanations perhaps, but his idolatry uh, left him open to falling into sin. But thank God that Jesus, our Savior, by obedience and resistance, caused the salvation of his people. What can we learn from this passage about resisting temptation, following Jesus to face and resist temptation. That is, from uh, temptation from uh, to cause us to be ensnared, to cause us to fall. Well, it's, it, this is a point we seem to use a lot in, in our thoughts from God's Word, but the first thing is simply to remember we're in a dangerous world. Well, you can, if we forget that, we can, we can set ourselves up for accidents. I mean, when you and I start our vehicles and enter a roadway, um, we need to remember it's a dangerous world. There are people that don't uh, drive carefully and safely. 
And there are people that fall asleep or are ill and, and can damage. Uh, I just, I just, you know, we just, I just returned from 2,000 miles, 2,000, 2,000 miles of a trip. And the thing that irks me, one of the, I think, more than anything else, is people that will be driving 70 miles an hour and you can't see their front um, license plate. And I'm thinking, you've got this lane, you've got that lane, and and uh, you know, it's one of those things that really, really seems to get me. And and I probably might cause road rage, but I, I put my hands up in the air like this for the person behind me. Like, really? I mean, I got my wife here, you know, and it's not safe. And uh, it started right out as soon as I got on the 90 going toward Erie. But we're in a dangerous world spiritually. Um, you know, there are places where snakes are not um, found, I'm told, like in Ireland. But there's nowhere in this world void of, the, of, the, of Satan, the viper. Think about Paul. Remember the passage? I think we can, we can spiritualize it. Paul was on an island after the ship wrecked. And you'll find that in, in Acts chapter 27. And he's doing something good. You know, he could have said, I'm an old man. You know, I'm a preacher. I don't need to collect sticks in the rain. But here Paul is collecting, no doubt, trying to find dry ones, maybe underneath bushes or what have you. But... He collects some sticks because there were 276 people needed to be warmed. Imagine the size of the campfire that they were trying to build. Well, while he was, after he collected these sticks, and you can see it happening, he's, he's wanting to throw these sticks into the fire. Well, there happened to be a viper inside the, the bundle of sticks that he was collecting. And uh, like you and me, that viper didn't want to be burned in the fire. We would have jumped out of out of the, or we'd have bit him too if he was trying to throw us in the fire. Well, the viper bites him, and it was the kind of viper, uh, a five-second viper that you've heard of, um, that are in the world today. In other words, you get bit, you got you just look at your watch, you got five seconds to, to find help. Well, Paul was bit, and he no doubt hurt from the bite, and they, the islanders were expecting him to fall down dead. And yet God caused them to just cast it into the, tip the viper, threw it into the fire and felt no harm. In other words, he didn't fall down dead. And then they go to the other extreme and say he must be a God. Isn't it amazing how fickle we can be? Go from one extreme to the other. But the point is being made. Here's Paul's doing something good and the devil's there to, as it were, use a snake to bite him, and, and to, he, if Paul, if he couldn't drown Paul in the Mediterranean Sea, he wanted to kill him on the island. The last thing that the devil wanted was for the Apostle Paul to get to Rome and preach in the capital city, knowing that people from Rome are going all over the empire. Yet, you recognize, and the point being made is we're in a dangerous world. 1 Corinthians 10 says, uh, there's no temptation you, taken you, but such as is common to man. The, the, the translation of common to man is what is human. It's a human thing to be tempted because we're in a fallen world. There are wicked people. You can't, you can't expect that every person is going to be innocent. Um, 
You can't expect if you drop your phone on the sidewalk while you're walking that even five seconds later turn, turning around you'll find it still on the sidewalk or expecting someone to pick it up and, and hand it to you. We're in a world where there's such wickedness. We're in a fallen world. Of course we are. There are accidents happening as I speak and people finding out that they have cancer today. Um, people dying unexpectedly. There are dangers from above and dangers from below and dangers all around us. But in a fallen, invisible world, we need to remember the Bible says the whole world lieth in the wicked one's hands. Again, massacres like we've seen lately. and The assassination of the former Prime Minister of Japan. Uh, the drownings that we find happening throughout summer. And mudslides and collapses of of towers and buildings. And doesn't it explain it by the word wilderness in this passage? The Lord chose to confront the wicked one in the wilderness as an example to you and me that we're in a wilderness, a wild place spiritually. And uh, it's proverbial for a fallen world. We're with wild beasts and they're not four-legged ones. As Paul spoke about, beware of dogs. He wasn't speaking about the four-legged kind. There are ferocious people out there as well as ferocious demons. So that's one of the first steps of being prepared. As much as we're enjoying summer and even stepping out your, 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 your back door or your front door, you just always need to be on our guard because there are wicked people and a, a world that certainly is dangerous. So how do we prepare to meet the dangers? <clears throat> well, the Bible tells us Jesus was spirit-filled when he went into the wilderness. He was careful to be under the control of the Spirit. And really, that is, is a, uh, a strategy. Don't wake up and start to, to, to walk around your house without asking for the Lord to forgive your sins and to fill you with His Spirit. And so obviously, the unsaved are not ready for the battle every day. The devil is, has them in his hand. They're already falling to temptations to pride and lust and deceit. We, we should not be surprised if an unsaved person is fallen and continues to show his fallen condition. There's no defense. He has not the Spirit of God. He has not the Lord to help him. He doesn't have the Bible in his mind. and The sword of the Spirit. So we should expect an unsaved, a fallen person who's never been regenerated to have fallen and continue to fall to the temptations of the devil. I don't think the devil leaves people who are unsaved alone. He wants them to continue in their wickedness and to increase their wickedness. The Bible tells us, for instance, in Proverbs, warns young people about the strange woman and then there are strange men as well, but they increase transgressors every day. And they've caused not weak people. It says that many strong men have fallen to the strange woman. We think, oh, it must have been somebody weak who fell to something like that. No, the Bible says it's strong people. 
which would certainly include believers as well. But it shouldn't surprise us if unsaved people are greedy or enraged. Um, I heard unbelievable profanity coming from a, a, a vehicle and it looked like the mother in the front and some children in the back with unbelievable, vicious conversation. I'm thinking, who's, who's the father of this? And the father was inside getting a pizza, going out. I just thought, thought to myself, I'm going to look into his eyes and see what kind of a person. Just, I looked into his eyes. It was rage into his in his eyes. You could just see it. I'm thinking, no wonder why the family is the way it is. But the devil causes people to be enraged. We shouldn't be surprised by the materialism, the unbelief, the deceit. But secondly, if we're not filled with the Spirit, how else can we be described but at least for that moment backslidden? Because the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And this is something that should be happening all day long. And so it's a prayer we should not forget to pray throughout the day. Backslidden believers are not filled with the Spirit. And so we can understand Peter, his backslidden state because of pride denying the Lord. And David committing adultery. And we find several cases. Noah, certainly not filled with the Holy Spirit when he became drunk with wine and left himself uh, in that drunken stupor as naked. And uh, certainly his son fell to the temptation to mock his father. And so we should be praying, confessing our sins, like Jesus, obedient. You find previous to this temptation, Jesus obedient to his parents. Luke chapter 2, submitting to them, doing his father's business. Remember, I must be about my father's business. Being baptized and, and the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And isn't it interesting that one of the first things the devil says to him is, if thou be the Son of God. He takes off on, on, the, on the comfort of the Father, the confirmation of the Father to Jesus at his baptism. And so the devil knows what's going on. And uh, he'll interject something that's happening in our life to twist it and to uh, cause us to doubt. So what can I say but don't live a day without being filled with the Spirit. So we haven't, we've just, we're just in the introduction, aren't we, of, of remembering every day that we're in a dangerous world and every day being filled with the Spirit. We haven't even met the snake yet. We haven't even met temptation yet. But it's, it's, a, it's the way to prepare, isn't it? Just like the soldier prepares by sharpening his tools, by... by uh, um, Sighting his gun and, and going to a, 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 a um, what do you call it a a, a range and and you know by by making sure that his his uh, his equipment is ready and right down the line before he even engages in any battle. Thirdly, have faith in God. The attacks here are on Jesus' trust of God. Satan attacks God, so he have the stone being the temptation. Uh, stone, the, the, the attacks caused the stone to change into bread. He took him to. Uh, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, "Bow down 
and worship me and I'll give those to you. And then the sensationalism of you took them to the pinnacle of the temple and cast yourself down and the angels will catch you. So as, as we think about it, the first causing stone to be, cat, to be turned into bread, Jesus was hungry. And the Satan was saying, you know, you're hungry and God isn't providing for you and you know, you're way out in the wilderness and you need bread. And so he was tempting Jesus. He was saying, God isn't trustworthy. He doesn't care for you. He hasn't provided for you. Certainly along those lines of, of not trusting God uh, for your provision. And is this, what is Jesus' response? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, I don't need bread right now. The main part is I've got to fulfill God's will to stand against you and to defeat you. I'll, I'll eat bread in due time. So Satan was tempting Jesus to be impulsive and really to try to manipulate his circumstances. And really, underneath, the devil saying, you don't have bread. You're the Son of God. Your Father doesn't care for you. And that is the temptation sometimes the devil will bring to us. You don't have this and you don't have that and you should. And if God was your Father, He'd take care of you and give you this and give you that. And so the devil wants us to distrust God's provision and His love for us. And then the second temptation, impatience and God's timing for promised blessing. Look, here are all the kingdoms of the world. And somehow the devil is able to show them the kingdoms of the world. They'll all be yours if you'll bow down and worship me. In other words, think about this. that Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross. He'd get the kingdoms this way. To circumvent the cross. To avoid suffering. The devil was keen enough to know that, that Jesus came to suffer. He knew enough of the Old Testament and what was the... The, the office of Christ. He knew Isaiah 53. He knew passages like Psalm 22. Matter of fact, the devil quotes two psalms in, this temp, in this, these three temptations. He knew the psalms. He knew the scriptures. He was tempting Jesus to manipulate what Jesus was going to accomplish and to gain the kingdoms of the world. Ask of me and I will give thee, what? The heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the world, of the earth for thy possession. The devil was, as it were, suggesting that, look, you can get, this, you can get what's promised in Psalm 22 quickly. I'll give it to you. When we know that what was, what's predicted in Psalm 2 is the Messiah going to have to rise from the dead to get the kingdoms. You won't have to die, Jesus. You won't have to die. If I give you the kingdoms, just bow down and worship me. So how that's a distrust in God's timetable, isn't it? You know, you know, Christian, you don't have to suffer. I'll make you rich quick, and I, you know, I'll just I'll arrange your friendships and your and your and your business relationships. Forget this suffering for Christ. Forget this deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The devil 
puts it all out in front of us. Look, this is, you can have all this and more if you just bow down and worship me. Where Moses did not choose, he chose to suffer for Christ and, and he denied the riches of Egypt. He saw the long view. He didn't sacrifice the permanent on the altar, the immediate. And the devil is tempting us to sacrifice God's blessings and eternal life and, and the rewards of being obedient to God by the present temporal sins of this world. And we need to, re, we need to call him out on that and we need to, to recognize it. Jacob stole the birthright that was already his. He didn't need to manipulate that birthright from, from Esau. The Lord had already said the younger, the, the, the older will serve the younger. Stealing versus laboring. You know, the devil says, look, why do you need to work eight hours a day? Look, join the thieves. That's Proverbs 1, the very first chapter. But the, a life of, of deceit, a life of dishonesty, rather than a life... What's, what's this hurting your knuckles every day? What's this working by the sweat of your face? Man, you can get rich quick. Lust versus marriage. Wait, the Lord says. But the devil says, why wait? Why wait? Worship God, the Lord Jesus said. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And so the devil was... was uh, is wanting us to doubt God's provision. His, and his, he wants us to doubt God's worthiness. Our devotion to God. He wants to, us to be devoted to Him and impatient with God's timetable. And then, you know, certainly something that He tempts all of us with, just sensationalism, doesn't He? He takes Him to the top of the pinnacle, wherever that was nearby. And you know, Have you ever been to the top of a of a cliff or something, and it's, you know, I like to stay as far away from the edge as possible, but you look down and it's like, jump! How many people think that they're, they're going to get a high off jumping and they commit suicide off the, off the Golden Cape Bridge? And all these high-rise bridges are, are, uh, are suicidal, suicide points. And the devil says, look, cast yourself down. After all, doesn't the Bible say, and we sang part of Psalm 91, doesn't the Bible say God will send His angels, you won't trip up, you won't hit a stone, the angels will take care of you? In other words, look, you know how much, how many, how, how, the, how, how the crowd will come after you if, if you do something sensational? It's like, do these miracles, Lord. Do more. They wanted to see more miracles as if Jesus was entertaining people with miracles rather than showing them that I am the Son of God and they are a means to, 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 to help you understand that I am equal with God in power and glory. Perhaps it's saying here, look, you need to test that you're really God's Son. You need more confirmation that God is with you by jumping off this cliff and having the angels catch you. Isn't it enough to be confirmed that we're God's people by His simple word? 
This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And to you and me, what is God's simple word to you and me? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's all we need. The devil comes to us and how do you know you're a Christian? Do this and do that. And, and it's as if we're tempting God, as if we're, we're daring God to do something more drastic, more sensational, because we really, we'll really be confirmed in our Christianity if he does this for us and that for us. Get me rich, Lord, or, or do this or do that sensationally. No, we need simply the power of the cross the blood of Christ. We trust in the Lord. Fourthly, very important, He used Scripture. He used Scripture. We need to have a knowledge of Scripture. Verses 4, 8, and 12. It is written, Jesus said, or it is said. The intensity of the temptation is seen by the fact the devil quoted Scripture. It's a lot easier when people don't use Scripture. They, it's so obvious what their temptation is. But the devil was saying, look, the Bible says that you should jump off this cliff because the angels will catch you. The Bible says that you, you're, you're to get all the kingdoms of the world. So why not, you, why not, why not go quickly and impulsively to that end. And the one thing that we need to know is is we need to recognize sin for what it is. Remember number 14 a few weeks ago? What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity, conformity to or transgression of the law of God. Joseph saw it immediately. It's adultery to lie with Potiphar's wife. He recognized that it was a sin against his master. It was a sin against the second table of the law. How, my master, your husband, has given everything into my hands except you. You're his wife. It would be absolute ingratitude and wickedness and hatred toward your husband for me to commit adultery with you. But he went to the first table of the law. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, it's the Scripture that's going to help us. It's the Scripture that's the sword of the Spirit. It's the dagger to the devil's heart. And it's a dagger to the temptation. What we need is to fill our minds with God's Word. Jesus quotes three passages, very brief passages, from Deuteron- all from Deuteronomy in this case. But what we notice is they're brief. In other words, it's nice to, to memorize chapters but it's very wise for us to memorize short portions to help us to use them at the time. In other words, it's one thing to have a sword in battle. It might be wise in a certain battle, but the dagger and the, and, the, and the pistol is the better weapon close range. And so we have the Lord Jesus taking brief portions. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only thou shalt serve. We can memorize that in a minute. Right? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What should Lot's daughters have done when they saw that they 
that that their mother was dead. They, were, they deceived themselves. They, they knew Abraham was still alive. They knew that Abraham had a family. They didn't need to commit incest with their father. They should have known. They did know the Scripture. Thou shalt not commit adultery. We need to recognize the temptation when it comes and pray to the Lord and use Scripture as a dagger. It is our responsibility to memorize Scripture so that it's ready when the devil tempts us while we're driving in our vehicle, we can't pull this out. When the devil tempts us when we're in a store, when we're in a park, wherever we are, we can't pull a Bible out. But we can pull the Bible out of our minds and out of our hearts. The Bible does command us to memorize Scripture. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. And you can't meditate and speak unless it's first in the heart. I encourage us to memorize very clear daggers from the Bible. Thou shalt, the Ten Commandments are all daggers. Very brief. Easy to remember. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So when the devil says, just steal that. You know, you could use those, that $5 that, that's, that that costs. What do we say? Thou shalt not steal. And then another verse in the New Testament. Them that stole, steal no more. But let him labor. And then labor so that not only he has, we have what we need, but we have to give to those that are in need. So we should study God's Word, read God's Word, memorize God's Word, and use God's Word. The devil abused God's Word from Psalms 2 and 91. Use Scripture. And finally, let us not forget to praise God for each victory. And never let down our guards. It says, the devil departed from him for a season. Notice that. That is very important for us to note. That after the temptation was finished and Jesus um, defeated the devil, verse 13, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. In other words, the devil is going to look for another opportunity. He's going to look for kinks in the armor. He's going to look for any weakness. And he certainly attacked Jesus throughout his life. Yeah, the word season means an opportune time. And though it seems like he had many opportune times, he never succeeded. But the devil, as far as we're concerned, he watches for a gap in the armor. Watches when we're, value, when we're vulnerable. We have a need. And He wants us to, to, to go and be impulsive to fulfill that need. We're sick. We have low times that He comes and prays upon us. But we have high times where He knows our pride gets in the way. And isn't it, isn't it um, ironic that the devil who mentions the angels from Psalm 91 
The Bible tells us that who came to minister to Jesus after he defeated the devil? The angels. Now, I don't know if they were out in the wilderness all the while. My suspicion is they weren't because Jesus was left alone. But the Father said, go. The temptation is over. And I don't know what it exactly means. The angels came. It reminds you of what happened with Jacob. Remember when Jacob got right with God, he met the angels. Genesis 32. But the angels came. I, I can, I, we can almost imagine them saying, Lord, you defeated him. Adam, it only took one. And one third of our colleagues fell. He, was a, he has such powerful persuasion. You are a great God. You are a great Savior. And we should echo that, shouldn't we, as we read this text? If Jesus fell once, you and I are rebels condemned in prison forever and ever. The very angels that Satan referred to. Jesus said to this angel, Get thee behind me. But to the other angels he welcomed as they ministered to him. And isn't it interesting? See the book ends? He went into the wilderness in the power of the Spirit and he returns from the wilderness, verse 14, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. So part of and, and, and evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is resisting temptation. It's part of the strengthening process for the believer of God. So as the, as the day begins, pray to be filled with the Spirit. As the day ends, pray to be filled with the Spirit. Remember, we're in a fallen world. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have faith in God. And we need to use the, the dagger of Scripture to defeat the wicked one. We need to resist temptation day after day after day. It's part of our Christian lives. And we're not you know, give up the armor until a new heaven and a new earth is, is created wherein dwells righteousness. We will not be free of the temptation of evil until the Lord perfects us, glorifies us when He lifts when he, when he raises from the dead and our sinful uh, um, vestiges are gone and the devil's in the lake of fire and with all his angels and all the visible tempters and temptations are gone, then alone will we be uh, free of being tempted in this world. Until then, let us be strong in the Lord and the power of His might.